Mask Radio Influence, podcasting redefined. Welcome to the Lawfather Podcast. We are here in Lawfather headquarters, and we have a little bit of a special podcast for you today. So as part of the University of Tampa's Give Day, their annual donation drive, uh, you heard Keith Todd from the university on this podcast previously, Uh, I was asked to sit down and moderate a a panel discussion with head coach Joe Urso and former major leaguer and all-star Tino Martinez, uh, who also went to the University of Tampa and is the school's only first round pick in the major league draft ever. So we are going to play that discussion for you today, and that will be the Law Fathers podcast for today. So check it out. And, you know, getting ready for today, guys, I, I had a really good opportunity to sit down and talk. And and I think it's really important that everybody who's listening knows and understands that the two guys sitting next to me today are some of the most humble individuals that you can imagine. It's It's been difficult, if you will, actually to get a little bit of the information out. And I'm going to actually tell you a little bit about these two and kind of what they've done and why they are basically on the top of uh, of the baseball game, if you will. Uh, Tino Martinez, three-time All-Sunshine State Conference, which is the conference that the University of Tampa is in with several other Florida schools in All-America, in Academic All-America, which is, is awesome to go along with all of that. 1988 Olympic gold medalist, the only first-round Major League Baseball pick from the University of Tampa, World Series champion four times, 96, 98, 99, and 2000, which may take that sting away a little bit of Coach Urso having the only player ring here. (laughs) That's right. 95 and 97 all-star selection and a 15-year Major League Baseball career. I mean, you couldn't ask for somebody to have more accolades than that. So, you know, really great to have you here and, and talking to the students and the alumni of the university. Coach Urso, I mean, equally as impressive resume, uh, won the first uh, UT National Championship in 1992 as a player, right? Uh, five years in the Angels organization as a player, four years as a coach and manager, which then transition on, transitions us back to UT. Fastest coach in NCAA history to 800 wins, 846, 249, and one record. So 846 wins, 249 losses, and one tie. I know we, we couldn't really figure out where that tie came from, but probably from uh, a, st- a field not having lights and uh, a game that probably was meaningless at the time. Five national championships as a player. So six total, six national championships for Coach Urso here between player and coach. Five-time national coach of the year. Has had 73 players drafted and 15 of those players are in the last three years. So I'd like to definitely welcome you guys here today. Um, one thing I don't think Coach Urso may know about about me, I, I know we've known each other since uh, it was probably 2002, it was November of 2002. Coach, you are the reason that I transferred to the University of Tampa from Western Carolina. Um, you gave me an opportunity with baseball. Unfortunately, Tommy John and probably a little bit of skill made it so that that really wasn't going to be a career path. Um, but if it wasn't for us meeting in November of 2002, we wouldn't be sitting here today like this. And uh, so I just want to thank you uh, for that as we sit here today. Oh, my pleasure. It's been awesome having you around as a alum and helping the program for as many years as you have now. 
Well, I appreciate that. So speaking of the baseball program, since you know this is about the baseball program and we're here about all in for UT, we want to get into a little bit about the experiences at UT and what the baseball program is and what the baseball program means for the University of Tampa. So um, Coach Urso, when, when it was time for you to choose a college coming out of high school and you grew up in South Tampa from Plant High. Uh, those of you who may not be as familiar with the Tampa area, I know when you come in from out of state, you know the university, you know downtown, but there's actually more to the city of Tampa other than that, okay? Um, Plant High is one of the major programs in the city. Um, so you went to Plant High, graduated. How did you come to pick UT? And then with that, what did the presidential scholarship mean to you? Yeah, I mean, I'd grown up 10 minutes down the road. This was always uh, the dream, try to play for the University of Tampa. Um, you know, financially, my my dad, uh, my mom and dad, you know, raised seven kids. I was one of seven. So going to a private school, you know, was kind of a, you know, far-fetched dream, really, without the help of a, of a presidential scholarship. So to be part of this give day is real special for me um, because I benefited uh, as a player and now as a coach as I utilize that when I'm recruiting. But, um, you know, uh, it was always, uh, you know, one of the best programs in, in the country. But I think when, when Tino Martinez decided to come to University of Tampa, that's when I think most of the great players started turning down Division I scholarships to attend here. But, uh, you know, you talk about having a uh, private education and uh, to play ball, um, you know, right in your backyard with your parents there rooting, your whole family rooting. Uh, it was uh, too good to turn down. Would you say that was a dream of yours as you were growing up to go and play baseball at the University of Tampa? Sure. You know, as a as a munchkin, you know, your your big dream is I want to play in the big leagues. Uh, but, you know, it's you take it step by step. And, uh, you know, being right here uh, playing for Coach Vardo at Plant High School, he used to sit with his lawn chair in, in left field uh, watching uh, Tino play, watching all the Spartans. So he would always come back and, and always push the UT on us. Uh, instead of having the Division One dream, it was get to a place that you can go get a good education and you can play right away. And, uh, and that was definitely University of Tampa for me. Excellent. And I think being from South Tampa, you probably played Tampa Bay Little League, right? right. And being that you went to Jefferson, West right? Tampa League. Yep. Uh, two rival Little Leagues, right? Yeah. 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 So, and, and you're a little bit older. So did you guys ever cross paths in Little League? Or I think you have an older brother, right? Uh, Sil Sylvie, is that right? Sylvie. Sylvie. Yeah. So it, would that be the right time frame there for you guys? Not Little League. Uh, okay. Little League was just so... Uh, you know, seven, eight, nine, and ten, eleven, twelve. So it was just three the gaps weren't there for us to play each other. But uh, but Sammy was what's example. Let me. Okay. Yeah. But your younger brother Tony yes. hit an absolute mammoth bomb against us at West Tampa and ended up at the at shortstop of the big field, uh, and that was all stars. You know, with with a lot on the yeah, line. So yeah. we we had some great battles. Yeah. So we're going to kick it over to Tino now. And, and speaking of family, you know, I, I think you have a long lineage of family at University of Tampa. But if we take a step back from that, you were a third round pick out of high school, right? Right. Boston Red Sox. Yes. So your third round pick, you're coming out of high school. It's probably your dream. Hey, I got drafted. Why do you not sign and end up going to the University of Tampa? Well, you know, I was very excited to get drafted by the uh, Boston Red Sox and, uh, I wanted to sign at that point. I kind of wanted to sign and just play professional baseball, but I always wanted to go to college as well. And my parents were uh, against me signing. They were like, no way you're going to sign. You're, I, was, I was a 17 year old senior when I graduated and they thought I was too young and I wasn't ready for it. And 
they kind of pushed me to go to college and they told me that uh, if you go to college and you get your education, if you're a good player, they're going to find you again. I mean, they know where you're at. Uh, and if you're good enough, you'll make it from there to get drafted again. If you're not, you wouldn't have made it anyway. So uh, uh, I don't regret the decision uh, to go to University of Tampa. It was a great time. We had an awesome time there with my teammates and uh, I love the university and uh, the best decision I ever made. And I think that's actually some great perspective because I know I've represented players in the past and Coach Urso has seen a lot, but it, it's kind of rare to have a parent take that point of view. So I, yeah. I think uh, it ended up pretty well yeah. in the end, I think. It so did. I think parents now the days a little bit crazy. I think there's probably <laughs> kids that go to the big leagues, but uh, they don't understand how great college baseball and how, how great college athletics are. Yes. Billy, I, I'm just going to interject. We've had a couple of questions, but one in particular that I think will be important is we may actually have people who are tuning in who may not really uh, completely get the difference, kind of the scholarship difference between Division One, Division Two. <clears throat> so maybe, Joe, if you take maybe a minute just to talk the differential there. Yeah, so uh, Division One is allowed 11.7 baseball scholarships, where um, Division Two's only allowed nine. So uh, for us to, you know, um, have a a full team, uh, you know, nine players isn't enough with uh, all the pitchers and the bullpen and the backup guys you need. Uh, we rely a lot on having some walk-ons come aboard, um, and most of those guys will come on academic scholarships. And then with the nine scholarships, we have to be creative in packaging these kids together, uh, packaging the money together with the dean scholarships or presidential scholarships, add a little bit of the baseball money, and all of a sudden I have a nice package that I can – put in front of a, a, a family that now all of a sudden uh, this private education becomes affordable. And, and just to kind of piggyback off of that, the academic scholarships are actually important for athletics as well. Yeah. In, in baseball, especially, you know, there's no such thing as a full ride. I mean, that's something the parents, it's a misconception. So it's all packaged together. And, you know, without a, a big day like today, um, and all the help that, that um, through our support that we get at UT, uh, it would make my job uh, almost impossible to bring in the right student athletes without that, those presidential scholarships and, the, and all the academic money. So just to transition a little bit then into your guys' playing days, and there may not seem like there's a tie-in because you guys actually were never at the university at the same time, right? Right. It, when you were done, you were done in 80, 88, last year. and you started in 88. 88. So, right? Your first year was 88? Uh, fall, my first yeah. playing year was 89. 89 yeah. right. so, so I actually, actually, when I got into UT, uh, they gave me number three. Oh. So I was, I, I wore 35 <laughs> in high school, so I didn't have a bunch of superstitions with number. Yeah. They gave me number three. Well, about, a month, about a month later, they come to me and say, uh, Joe, you're not going to be able to wear number three. Uh, we're going to retire Tino Martinez as number three. So uh, I did. Uh, yeah, I guess I, I did get to wear his number for a little bit in the fall. I didn't know they were retired either, but <laughs> I had no idea. So that, that's awesome. And in case you didn't quite catch that, uh, Tino Martinez wore number three at the University of Tampa, which and Joey wore number seven. He's <laughs> retired now as well. <laughs> Which, as we're on Bobblehead Coach Urso, which if anybody's seen my social media, we've talked about Bobblehead Coach Urso joining me during uh, the quarantine time. But we are going to auction off a signed Bobblehead Coach Urso, and all the proceeds will go to the University of Tampa baseball program. So we are going to do that. So we have the number tie-in, but also your coach was Kenny Dominguez, yes. who actually recruited you. Is that all, all correct? Yes. Correct. And then... 
when you started playing, Kenny was gone, and then Lalo Prado came in as the coach. And Lalo is actually related to you, right? Yes. Um, he's my brother-in-law. Lalo's my brother-in-law. But when I was there at the University of Tampa, uh, my older brother was a year ahead of me. So he was a, a freshman there already. I was a senior in high school. And he was a, a shortstop at the University as well, a pretty good player. And uh, Kenny Dominguez recruited me. And the, the excitement about that was playing for my, bro- for my brother as well. It had been a lot of fun. But after my three years there, when I left, I think Kenny Dominguez left the same year to go. Uh, he got a minor league job with the Yankees as a minor league coach. And he left that point. And that's my brother-in-law, who was a grad assistant the years I was there, became the head coach and coached Joey's uh, four years there. And then Coach Prado, which uh, those of you listening who don't know, Coach Urso has done a great job. And I actually didn't know anybody other than Coach Urso had created this. But it's the Rainy Martinez Golf Tournament that's in its 31st year. And it was actually started by Coach Prado, right? Yes. So tell us a little bit about how that started and what that is and what it's become and what it means to the baseball program. Well, I'll tell you how it started. He can tell you where it's gone with it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so my dad passed away 31 years ago, basically uh, in uh, I believe 1990. And um, Lelo Prado, the head coach at the time, decided to start a uh, Rene Martinez golf tournament to uh, raise an extra scholarship for the University of Tampa baseball team. My dad was a big supporter of the baseball team, um, even before my brothers and I got there, because my mom and dad went here as well. So um, uh, he decided to start that golf tournament. It started out the first year he did it. It was probably about, I don't know, 200 people showed up. They were charged $100 at that for the, for the tournament. And people just showed up. 200 people showed up. We weren't prepared for that. And it became a big thing there. And they kept it going for year after year after year, which is a great fundraiser for the University of Baseball. And then Joey's taken it, obviously, to another level now, the years he's been at the university. With all the championship rings and all that, it's really elevated the whole entire tournament. And it's, it's amazing, you know, not many tournaments last, you know, 20 years, more or less 31, but it's a tribute to what his dad uh, and the Martinez name is uh, all about in Tampa and just represents nothing but class. But uh, for the scholarships, you know, no baseball team has won more championships at any level since the start of, of, of the Martinez tournament. So when you talk about bringing in fundraise dollars and what it takes to run a program and you know, uh, you know, for our university, how much it's meant, you know, to be able to help with scholarships. Um, it's uh, it's been everything to us. It is awesome though, because so many alumni. Joey sends emails out to every player past in the past, and so many alumni guys show up for the weekend. It's a fun yeah. weekend. It's become really a, a pretty big party for the weekend for the guys, and we really uh, have a great time with it. So, uh, so many alumni out there that are listening, don't be afraid to sign up. You'll have a good time. This week's podcast is brought to you by Golden Pair Funding. My attorney friends, if your clients are looking for pre-settlement or surgical funding, give Golden Pair Funding a call today. They will provide easy underwriting, speedy approvals, electronic signing, competitive rates, and flexibility at settlement when necessary. See, their focus is to make the funding process pain-free and expedient for you and your clients, reducing your administrative burden while providing ample time for you to fight the insurance companies and receive top dollar for your clients. If you're looking to work with the industry leader in pre-settlement funding, call Golden Pair Funding today at 813-856-2099. I can tell you a lot of the law fathers' clients have used Golden Pair Funding over time. And, you know, it, it makes it a lot easier on our office, too, because the process is so streamlined. Uh, you know, loans are something that as an attorney, as a personal injury attorney, uh, you're not getting paid hourly. You're not billing hourly. But... With some loan companies, those packets take 
you know, upwards of an hour to put together and resolution at the end. Golden Pair makes it really easy. So call Golden Pair Funding today if you or your client needs a pre-settlement funding loan. And now we're going to get back to the discussion with Coach Joe Urso and Tino Martinez. Yeah, and, and actually that doesn't apply just to baseball alumni. That's all alumni. Okay, it is. It's a great time. There's always a, a, a sausage smoke out there for lunch. It's it's the best lunch I have during that time. It's great. Uh, I think I go sometimes just for the sausage because I'll tell you what, my golf game is not good enough to ever compete in it. But, uh, you know, it's it's definitely a great time. And 31 years of not mediocrity in terms of numbers. It's been 31 years of just absolutely crushing it with numbers. Uh, so, you know, looking forward to many, many more years of that coming into the future. And that's every it's in January. Perfect. All right. So January, keep it on your calendars. Uh, hopefully that as everything passes, we'll be wide open and January will be off and running. So let's transition just a little bit and let's talk about you guys more on an individual basis. Coach Ursa, I'm going to put this out to both of you individually, but uh, coach, I'm going to have you go first. Tell us a story about something that, you know, not a lot of people might know about. Um, well, you know, as a coach, you, you take this job and, and the pressure is, you know, win a national title. Um, that's how you're remembered at University of Tampa. And, uh, and it took me a while. You know, we were runner up uh, once when we got to that World Series. My first year getting to the World Series, we, we went two and out. But then the second time we get to the finals and, um, you know, become runner up. And then uh, in 06, we go there with a team that's just loaded with talent, ex- expectations to win it all. Um, you know, Mr. Straz, Mr. Sykes fly their planes up with President Vaughn. Um, a lot of the, uh, the big, um, you know, boosters and supporters of the university. And uh, in the ninth inning, I remember looking up into the suite and here we are down two to one, two outs, no one on with our number eight hitter at the plate. And you just know runner up again here it comes and just almost tears running down my eyes as i look up there going how do i explain this one and then it just here it came base hit two strike base hit two strike another base hit to tie the game and we end up winning in in extra innings and anyone who's ever seen that uh that video it's uh, me drinking the water every second probably uh uh with the nerves and um you know what it takes the pressure of getting on top uh was was real and uh, the pressure of keeping this program on top has has been equally as real. And, you know, a lot like the Yankees, it's awesome. The expectations to win every year means you've created something special. And uh, and that's what uh, what's so awesome about coming back to, you know, where I played and being able to keep this program, you know, at the top. Yeah, and, and you've done a great job with that. Now, you did say that the one way to be remembered at UT is to win a national championship. Is there a second way? Well, uh, the 2015 team, uh, I, uh, I told them, uh, I, tell, I tell every team, that's how you remember, to win the title. And uh, they were so bad at one point that in, uh, towards the end of the year, I told them, you know what, I'm wrong. There's another way to be remembered. You're going to be remembered as the worst team ever because you're not going to make the playoffs. And uh, it just uh, it sparked something in the club. And the next thing you know, after every win, they're tapping me on the back. Worst team ever, coach. <laughs> Worst team ever, coach. Well, sure enough, finals of the World Series, they win it, and they're tapping me on the back. Worst team ever, coach. And uh, and my boss, Larry Marfis, made, uh, gave all the team a shirt says, Worst team ever, with quotes with Joe Verso. So, uh, uh, you know, it was a, another fun one. Worst team ever, 2015 National Champs. That's right. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. I'm sure you said it just as calmly as you did, did right here. I'm yeah, sure it was, yeah. yeah. 
So anyway, we, we won't let in the secret of how that probably really went down and we'll just transition over to Tino. Tino. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Tino, you know, what's something that most people might not know about a story about you? And you Well, know? at the University of Tampa, um, we, we, my freshman year here, we had a pretty good team coming in, but the team, the University of Tampa, organ, a, a program, had never been to the World Series before. And they always lost to a certain team we don't want to mention uh, year after year. And uh, when, when I came my freshman year, we had a good a good group of guys playing. We knew we had a good chance to win. And it was the first year we won. We beat Florida Southern in the regionals to the World Series for the first time. And like Joe said, we got up there and we were uh, you know fired up. We still had a, we had a really good team. And uh, back then, for some reason, opening day was on. I'm sorry, the opening day ceremonies was on Saturday afternoon, and the actual World Series started on Thursday. So we played our first game on Thursday and we lost. So we're uh, the loser bracket already. We had to play again on Friday. No, so we had to play it on Saturday morning before the opening ceremony at three o'clock, and we lost again. So we were eliminated <laughs> from the, the World Series tournament before the opening day ceremonies. <laughs> and we had to, you know, the teams were there, their you know, their collar shirts and jeans that weren't playing, and we just come off the field with our dirty uniforms and and thank you, University for coming there. Great year there, whatever. We were gone, <laughs> you know. And but that at that point there, um, you know, we were all uh, kind of embarrassed and disappointed, and we knew coming back the next year we had a good team again, and. We made it to the finals, lost in the final game uh, the, the second year. And uh, that's when it kind of got, I think, this university going a little bit as far as, like, we got over the hump of, of not losing the regionals anymore and the expectations of going to the World Series. Not just going there, but winning it was what became the University of Tampa, which they all brought, to, you know, him and Leto and Terry Rupp, the coaches all, just dominated from the, from the beginning. Uh, that's excellent. That's awesome. So um, what we want to kind of transition to here is I just want to kind of get everybody to get to know you guys a little bit. So Coach Ursa, let's talk about a few different things. And then Tina, we're going to talk about a few different things. And, um, you know, you have this unique perspective, Coach, where you played at UT. Well, you grew up in Tampa. You played at UT. Then you left. And you left pretty far away, all the way to California for, what, nine years total? And then made your way back to UT. How did you get back here? Well, uh, you know, girls will get you away from Tampa. That's what uh, led to me moving to California. Um, but uh, when this job opened up, um, uh, I was uh, managing in the Angels organization, the Miners, and we were at uh, in Idaho, uh, Idaho Springs. And I remember uh, taking my wife Julie to um, to lunch on a, on a stream because I knew I was in for a long conversation. We were about to have our first son, uh, JD, who's now uh, going into a sophomore year at UT. And um, I knew minor league baseball was not going to be the life to be raising, a, you know, a kid, uh, you know, traveling all the long bus trips and everything. And I, I told Julie, I'm like, this is a dream job, uh, the best family job for us. You know, I need you to trust me and, and let's let's move to Tampa. Uh, and she was like, are you crazy? No way are we taking, you know, my first uh, the first grandkids from my parents. You know, I come from a big family, but she doesn't. And uh, no way are we leaving. And uh, luckily, uh, this job was still open five weeks later. Uh, Larry Marfis uh, was patient and uh, Julie woke up one morning and said, if you believe this is the best thing for our family, go for it. And I called Larry and um Luckily, I, I red-eyed in for the interview and right back, didn't spend one extra day with my friends because when I flew back, uh, that middle of the night uh, is when, uh, you know, she ends up heading to the hospital and we end up having JD. So, uh, uh, and then moving a month later. So great, just uh, unbelievable uh, emotions, obviously, with yeah. a new kid and then moving. And uh, just, it was, uh, we look back now and, you know, 
she's the biggest supporter of UT baseball. My whole family is, but uh, she'll tell you we bleed Spartan red. I mean, she's they've all been out there ever since. Well, I got there in 2003, and they've always been out there. I mean, it was the old field back then before they left in the same spot and just twisted it just a little bit, yeah. but always out there, always supportive. Um, so you do, you have a great family and it, it is, it's just kind of a testament as a whole that they're all very supportive. And I think that family nature and atmosphere has really carried over. It, it probably started in your time and then carried over to your time, but I can't think of many schools where, you know, I would have such a good relationship with the head baseball coach. I have a really good relationship with, the athletic director, Larry Marfis, and it's not necessarily from anything other than that's just what the university is. I mean, did you guys see the same thing? Yeah, I did. Like Joey said, when I, when I came to the University of Tampa, my parents were able to watch every game as well. My high school coaches would come watch. All my friends would all come watch and all that kind of stuff. But we had a pretty much, uh, we were starting to build a family atmosphere as far as it went back then. But then I think Joey, what he's done the last well, 20 years now, uh, he's turned into a real big family atmosphere where you know, I've been to the World Series uh, to watch him play last year, and, and I've heard the stories that, I mean, he has the barbecue cookouts for the entire family. The parents come into town and barbecue cookouts, and uh, and that just transfers to uh, a better team and better camaraderie and stuff. And, and the parents start loving the fact that Joey's their coach and the leadership that he's given them on and off the field. So I think that rumor is out there already that it's such a family atmosphere on top of being a great baseball program that it really enables players who are thinking about coming here to really make that decision to come as well as their parents. Absolutely. And one of the things that we were going to discuss is what what makes a player choose UT over maybe a big D1 program or maybe, you know, any other D2 program uh, other than I know the family atmosphere, which is huge. But anything else? Yeah, I mean, we sell three things on their recruiting visits, uh, and we talk about the private education. You know, where can you go get um, a degree that is nationally known, internationally known now, um, and um, uh, 20 kids per class, and we preach that, and then we preach winning championships. You know, you're going to have a chance to come in here and, and play right away in your first year and have a chance to win a national championship, and a lot of people say that. But the reality is most people win championships and then they go away for five or 10 years. Yeah. And we've been able to stay at the top. And then um, the third thing we sell is professional baseball. You know, you come in here, you take care of your business in the classroom, on the field, in that weight room. And uh, good things are going to happen for you at the end. And uh, the pro scouts recognize this program as a Division One program. And uh, that's that's ultimately each of these kids goals when they started playing baseball is I want to play you know, in the major league. So for us to be a, a big part of that, um, you know, is, uh, is pretty special. It's huge. And I mentioned it before, but 15 guys in the last three years have been drafted. So that is amazingly huge. Um, and I know we're, we're getting short on time, so we're going to cut that and move over to Tino a little bit because I know, you know, we have some things that, that we want to get into there. Um, and, and this isn't necessarily a UT thing, but I think UT was your springboard into – other things, and everybody knows the Yankees, the championships, the everything else. But I think what kind of gets lost in that middle time there is the Olympics. And that's a really cool thing. So can you tell us a little bit about that experience? Yeah, it was uh, I played 19 Olympic team with um, guys like Jim Abbott, Robin Ventura, Frank Thomas. You know, we had a great team. And uh, the year before that, that's what I was to tell about Jim Abbott, because Jim Abbott uh, came to the University of Tampa as well to our golf tournaments and stuff. He supported us back then when I first uh, left, left the program. That's very cool. Yeah, and he... Um, uh, so we went down to play the Cuban national team throughout the summer before the Olympics uh, in Cuba. And we had a seven-game series down there, and no American team had ever beaten the Cuban national team, which is their pros, in Cuba. 
And, uh, you know, we're all 17, 18, uh, 18, 19 year old kids, sophomores and juniors in college. And we're down there in Havana, Cuba. And the first game we're playing, uh, you know, Jim Abbott's pitching the game. But the first game, the game's supposed to start at 8 o'clock at night. So we're there. It's the middle of July. It's like it is here, 100 degrees outside. We're sitting in the dugout there, uh, you know, sweat, waiting for the, you know, the umpires to get there and play. We, we took infield and all that. So it's 8.30. We're sitting there. No umpires. Uh, 8.45, no umpires. And, you know, we don't know, we don't know what's going on. And, uh, you know, Ron Frazier back then, the University of Miami head coach was our coach. And he was, uh, you know, a guy from Miami. And, you know, the Cuban people in Miami weren't very happy we were down there to begin with. So all of a sudden, around 10 till 9, there's 50,000 people in Latino American Stadium. And you hear this huge roar out of nowhere, like, like the stadium just erupted. And we're sitting there going, what's going on? So we look up there, and Fidel Castro's coming down. Oh, wow. So he's coming down the middle of the stadium there, right, right to his seats. His seats are right behind home plate. And he had you know, three guys on each side with their fatigues on, their machine guns and all that. And we're going, oh, my God, you know, Jesus Christ, this, this is crazy. You know, Fidel Castro and these guys, it was nuts. And... Uh, so uh, Fidel comes down there to seats there, and behind home plate there's a wall, and then the netting's like that. And then inside the wall there's a, there's a block open about that big there, and their team is like, when he came in, the Cuban National team were standing outside, with their, I mean, they're like a, an army. They're standing perfectly, and Fidel tells them, come over. So they come one by one, and they stick their hand through the hole and shake his hand, shake his hand, shake his hand, and go back. And then he looks our way, and he tells us, and Ron Frazier's there at the end of the dugout. We're sitting there, and he goes, go over. And Frazier goes, sit down, we're not going. And I went, what? <laughs> sit down, we're not going there. And all of a sudden, you hear the entire stadium go, ooh. And went, oh, my God, what are we doing here? And then all of a sudden, Fidel comes to our dugout, jumps the little fence down the steps, comes to our dugout, shakes all of our hands, and leaves. And Frazier tells us, that's how you do it, boys. <laughs> long, long story short, though, Jim Abbott was pitching that night, and they had a really great team. And um, the first hitter, of course, with one hand, the first hitter, Tries to drag butt down third base line. Jim Abbott gets the ball, feels it, throws it first, throws the guy out. The stadium erupts. I mean, it was loud as can be. He erupted. The next hitter, same thing. A left-handed guy tries to drag butt on again. Flips, throws him out of first base. Stadium erupts again. It was an unbelievable scene. And then we won to win that game 3-2 to two that night and became the first American team to ever beat him down there. And Jim Abbott was our pitcher. That's awesome. And, and to touch with, you know, there may be some people out there who don't know Jim Abbott. And Jim Abbott had one hand, he had a... Full arm, but one hand, right. and he would put the glove, the open part of the glove, over the that, yeah, the over nub. the nub, and pitch, and then switch it over to the hand that yeah. he had just thrown with. So that's who uh, Tino was just talking about. It was really great to be a part of that discussion with Coach Joe Urso and Tino Martinez, uh, both former players at the University of Tampa, and Coach Urso, uh, current head baseball coach at the University of Tampa. So check them out. Also, don't forget to check out The Law Father on social media, at The Law Father on Facebook and TikTok, at The Law Father Tampa on Instagram, and on Twitter, it is at The Law Father TPA. Check those social media accounts out. We are going to be auctioning off the signed Coach Urso Bobblehead. Uh, you've heard me mention it on this podcast before, and it was a staple for our roundtable discussion. So take a look at that and follow us on social media. Rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. That helps us out a lot. And thanks for joining in. Lawfather out. This is an Ian Beckles flavor in your ear quick fix on Radio Influence. 
regardless of what you think George Floyd was doing, and by the way, I saw the video of beforehand and know what he was doing? Nothing. Resisting arrest? No, he was not. He surely was not. So should he be should he be arrested? Okay, sure. Should he be killed and murdered? No. Now, whether people are getting antsy because people are using the you know the word murder, if I punch somebody and knock knock them onto the ground, then put my knee on their neck, and they're saying I can't breathe, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, and I continue to put pressure on their neck for nine and a half minutes. That's murder, in any sense. Sorry, everybody around him, you're killing him. He's crying for his mother, by the way, who's dead. That was one of the toughest videos for me to, to watch. And when they're taught, when he's saying things like they're going to kill me, they're killing me. Well, when is it? When is it too much? And George Floyd's brother wants the officers arrested. Yes, it's about time. You know what? When you arrest one of those officers and you put him in jail in there with uh, Schillinger and Adam B.C. like it was in Oz, they'll stop doing it. Because you know why? They don't have to stop doing it because whether we know it or not, the good old boy network, when some of these guys get suspended or lose their jobs, they still get their pension. We don't know if the good old boys aren't taking care of them. Don't stop slapping them on the wrists. And for the first time, really... In abundance, I'm seeing white people are offended now. White people are pissed. Like, they watch that video, they're like, are you shitting me? What is happening? But white people are pissed. Thank you, white people. Thank you. You can find Ian Beckles' Flavor in Your Ear on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and RadioInfluence.com.